For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we generally believe that living the good life means having lots of money to buy all the things that give us pleasure. That's because we don't know that pleasure is not the same as joy. We also believe that avoiding difficult and currently called negative emotions is a way to develop a good and happy life. That's because we do not understand that there's no such thing as a good or bad emotion. Nor do we understand that those emotions that seem the most difficult are frequently the ones that lead us to the capacity for the greatest joy. Coming alive is not a linear upward path to ascendance in which we perpetually bliss out. Coming alive is the capacity to feel the blood running through your veins, to know the deep crannies and caverns of your existence intimately, so that you begin to sense joy, to see joy, to breathe joy, by knowing that the peace is in all. So today we're going to talk about how you can come alive. Before we do that, we have to understand the subtle nuances between the different words we've used in terms of definition. So we've used the word pleasure and we use the word joy. Well, pleasure is just a sense of of, of, uh, happiness that comes from a specific situation or event. So that event gives us a sense that we're okay, that we can be happy, that life is good, and we have basically what we want. But if you take away that situation or that event, then we're not so sure if we still are okay, and we're not so sure that life is still good. So our our pleasure then is dependent upon an external situation or event to make us okay. Uh, Joy, on the other hand, is not dependent on anything at all. It it owns no dependency at all. It is just uh, the essence of living, and we're going to talk about that more uh, as we go to explain the difference between joy and bliss because um, it's really difficult to talk about these terms. It's a little bit like trying to explain how chocolate tastes when you eat it or what the color green looks like. Um, these are difficult things to talk about in, ter- in words, but I'm going to do the very best I can because I think it's important to di- make a distinction between those. When people talk about bliss, they tend to be talking about this sense of of uh, uh, total connection, a unitive connection with the divine, which, you know, I think is a part of joy as well. But with bliss, there's this constant feeling or this, this desire for a constant feeling of, of uh, I'm above it all. I, I have transcended all the, the accoutrements of the living experience on planet Earth. I don't really have to participate in that. I don't have to be a part of that. I think uh, that that's what people who are 
using substances are looking for. That's what they call that high feeling. It's the same as the bliss feeling. It's to live above, to live beyond the experience of life, to, to, to try to get up above it and not have to deal with it. So if it's a substance abuse uh, issue that we're talking about, people who get addicted to substances commonly talk about not being able to get the high anymore because they've built up their tolerance so much that they can't feel the high and they're really disappointed by, uh, about that and they're just looking for the next best high which is why they use more and more and more drugs over a period of time because they're looking for that high again but of course every time they use more drugs their their physical tolerance builds up and they uh, tend to uh, just not be able to experience the high again so they're forever after that chasing the highs that they knew early on in their uh, drug-seeking behavior. So uh, that high is what uh, people are seeking with um, and the meditation that seeks only to bliss out. Um, by bliss out, what I mean is that you just don't want to really be here on planet Earth. You're not a part of it. You don't have to experience it. So we hear a, a lot of people talking about in the spiritual world, the New Age world in particular, we hear a lot of people talking about, uh, uh, you know, trans <clears throat> transcending it all, that you really shouldn't watch TV, that you shouldn't um, listen to the news because that's negative information and we shouldn't have negative thoughts and we shouldn't have negative emotions and, and uh, w you know, when we, what we say about that is that's how you'll develop bliss. And I remember talking to someone on this show one time. I interviewed someone, and frankly, right now at this moment, I can't remember who that was. But um, I asked, well, isn't that a little bit like sticking your head in the sand? And the answer that I got from this man was, well, maybe, but I feel good, so what, what does it matter? Well, I think how it matters is that you're not really alive. So what we're talking about today is coming alive. I think we can live in, in a couple of different ways and, and within this uh, continuum. There's on one end where we just numb out. We're not really alive. We're not really here. We're just going through the motions. Many people experience that, specifically after traumatic experiences, um, a sort of dissociative state where we're not really in our bodies. We're just kind of going through the motions, just kind of doing what we have to do, get up in the morning, eat the breakfast, go to bed at night, Maybe you'll sleep some, maybe you won't, but you get up the next morning and you do the same thing again, and you're just really not in it. So that's not really alive. On the other hand, when people say they want to bliss out, or they don't use that term when they're talking about it themselves, they say they should live in bliss, and there's a should with that, that if you're living in bliss, then you're living an enlightened life. If you're not living in bliss, then you're not living an enlightened life, and I can't even tell you how much I just agree with that. So again, that bliss is, I'm not really here. I don't really have to participate in life or life's accoutrements. I don't really have to listen to the news. I don't really have to know what's going on. I don't really have to know about anybody else's suffering. And I refuse to suffer myself. I'm not going to feel any so-called negative feelings or think any so-called negative thoughts. I'm just going to be happy all the time. That's what I'm going to do. And I would venture to say that there is absolutely no growth in that, in that uh, way of living because you're not really here. And the point of being here is to be here. <laughs> So if you're not really here, then you're not going to really grow. And uh, in between the numbing out and the blissing out, there are all kinds of gradations of experience where we can um, get to what I would call a, 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 a centralized place of joy. 
Um, and we're going to talk more about what that means uh, as we go. But let me say a little bit more about negativity, that whole idea of the negative and the positive that has taken such a profound um, hold on our thinking over the past 20 years, particularly in the New Age movement, but also some in the New Thought and the Human Potential movements as well. And now we even hear it in, uh, on secular TV that, that, there's a, that we should be thinking positive, that we should never be thinking negative, and we should not have negative emotions. And when I even heard, heard Dr. Phil yesterday talk about somebody having negative emotions, and I wanted to get on the TV and say, now, Dr. Phil, you should know better than that. <laughs> But, of course, he couldn't hear me. Uh, the, the idea is that there's no such thing as a negative emotion. They don't have values attached to them. They just are. It's like grass growing up on a field or, or, or broom sedge or any kind of wildflower growing up on a, on a hilltop. They just grow because it's there in them to do that. And we just have emotions because they're there in us to have. I think they're purposive in that our emotions give us messages if we're listening. If I'm blissing out, I'm not listening. Okay? I'm not listening to those things that we call, we've just judged to, be va- to, to have the value of negativity. They're bad old feelings and we shouldn't feel them. So people would say that fear is a bad feeling and we shouldn't feel it. Well, actually, if we're listening to fear, it can give us some very, very important messages. In fact, it can protect us in some profound ways, even life-saving ways. And, it, uh, of course, the ultimate would be I'm standing in the middle of the street and there's a truck coming. I need to get out of the street. I'm probably going to feel some fear that's going to tell me to get the heck out of the street. That's a good way that fear can be experienced. On the other hand, people say, well, okay, yeah, all right, I'll accept that that fear is okay. But these other fears, no, not so much. What if you have a fear of success? Well, I think that's a pretty normal fear to have because we don't know what that feels like. We don't know what success is. And our biggest fear is of the unknown. So we don't understand success, what that means, what it entails, what responsibilities come with it, what freedoms come with it. We don't know all that. We, it's, we're just looking into the future, hoping for something successful. On the other hand, we're also equally afraid of it. Many times, most of us are, to some degree or another, equally afraid of success. So what that fear can do is say, slow down, take it step by step, don't overwhelm yourself, don't get too big for your britches, don't get uh, inflated, and don't get uh, too, uh, too engrossed in the substance and detail of your what you're doing to miss the moments that come. So... You know, so in that sense, that fear is really helping us to, to move slowly into our success so that we can psychologically receive it, so that it's not so overwhelming that reject, we reject it. Because the psychology will reject something that's too, too much for it. It's too overwhelming. And that's, I think, what happens so many times to people when they ha- have this quick, all-of-a-sudden fame that seems to last for a while is that they, they, they just don't. It's totally new to the psyche, and the psyche doesn't know how to handle that. So drugs work. Drugs work to calm you down, so supposedly, and then you get addicted to drugs, and you end up killing yourself or being killed by your drugs. And we've seen that happen so many times with celebrities. So we want to be very careful about success as well. And, you know, the big shoot out there with the law of attraction information that we're getting is, well, you shouldn't be afraid of success. Success should be something that you want. Well, all of us are afraid of success, and we need to accept that and say that 
okay, my fear is, is, is giving me information about slowing down and taking it easy and not pushing on this too hard so that I can digest the success as it comes. Um, and uh, it also might tell us to take really good nurturing care of ourselves so that if the success comes really fast, that we seek out support, maybe even counseling, to, to try to digest what's happening. Um, so these, these things that people call bad, that they're negative, are not bad. They're just emotions. And if, if we've got them, if they're built into our system, can you really say that if you believe in a creator God or a creator I am or any other kind of creator, that that creator would put emotions into us that are just meant for us to toss away? Really? I don't think so. So, you know, when we, with this, this whole idea that there's such a thing as negative emotions is false. It serves no other purpose but to shut us out of our feelings and to help us to get to that blissed out state that people call enlightenment, which has nothing whatsoever to do with enlightenment. Um, so I really want to be real careful about the, the language that I'm using here today uh, because I, I think it's important for us to really understand what we're talking about when it comes to this, these notions of bliss, this notion of joy, and this mo- notion of, of negative emotions and what is pleasure. So uh, there's no such thing either as positive emotions. They're all just emotions. They have no value. They're neutral in value. Uh, you know, we would say it's a really e- it's, it might be much easier for us when we're, when we're having emotions such as joy or uh, pleasure or contentment or happiness, or uh, a sense of purpose, a sense of accomplishment. Those are what we would call, some would call positive feelings. And we're supposed to only have those and never have any grief or sadness or fear or sorrow or anger or any of those other emotions, all of which have a message to give us. And, uh, and I've spent some other shows talking about the kinds of messages that anger can give us and fear can give us and sorrow can give us and and so i I challenge you to go back and listen to the some of those other shows um and also you can find some information about some of these emotions on my blog on psychologytoday.com which is called traversing the inner terrain um so you can also find it there but uh but the idea i'm not so i'm not going to go into a lot of depth more today describing what those messages are but to say that every emotion that we have has a message for us and it's a meant to a message meant to help us manage our lives better, to find out who we are more, to, to discover the self more, to live deeper, to live more in joy, to live more alive. Uh, that's what our emotions are for. And uh, when we send them away in the name of, of, of uh, a sort of a good luck charm, I'm going to rub this bunny in my pocket, this rabbit's foot in my pocket, and I'm going to be okay after this because I don't have any negative emotions. That's kind of like what it is. It's kind of like knocking on wood hoping that bad things won't ever happen to me because I'm not attracting them by having negative emotions. And, of course, when then, then, then the so-called bad things happen to us, then we're like, well, what, do I, what am I doing wrong? I wasn't thinking any negative emotions. I must have, have some unconscious stuff that's drawing this bad stuff to me. And what I would say is, you know what Jesus said, it rains on the good and the bad alike. It's not about how you're thinking. Life is what it is. It's an energy force, and it... And, and do, are there no consequences for our deeds? No, that's not true. We, we do have consequences, but not always. Many people escape consequences. Uh, there's a lot of wealthy people out there who got their wealth by stealing it or by evading taxes or by all kinds of ways that are illegal or unethical. 
or both, and um, they're not experiencing any consequences. And we might say, well, they'll get theirs in another life. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what that is. But I do know that um, we can find a way to live in joy in spite of it, or maybe even because of it. So, okay, so what do I mean when I use the word joy? Well, we're going to talk a lot more about joy in the next segment, but I want to just kind of give you a working definition. And it is working because, like I said, this is kind of like trying to describe the color green or what it tastes like to eat chocolate. But uh, joy is, is being fully alive. Joy comes from being fully present with your existence, with everything that happens, even what we would call the negative events or negative situations or, or negative emotions, negative thoughts, what I would call more difficult situations, events, thoughts, or feelings. They are more difficult because they challenge us to grow. It's these very feelings and thoughts that really help us to kind of go, oh, wow, look at that mantra I'm trying to hypnotize myself with. What is that about? Where did that come from? Who am I in the midst of that thought? So, you know, those things are really, really important. And, uh, and we don't want to negate them. We don't want to send them away. We don't want to repress them. We want to understand them, be present with them, like we would a little child who's come to stand between our knees and say, mommy or daddy, I need to understand this feeling. So we need to be present. Being present means I'm really here. I'm really listening. I'm listening with my whole mind, my whole body, my whole heart, my whole soul. I'm really here. That is what produces joy. Because when you're living that way, all of a sudden joy just bubbles up. You look at a cloud in the sky and it's so profoundly amazing that you just can't even conceive of it all. It's so It, it, it makes your chest bigger because you're just so... Um, so affected by the power of the emotion that comes from just being able to look at something created, look at a tiny little blade of a tiny little flower and see how amazingly profoundly detailed that is and how beautiful the little colors are on it and just be present with that and you're moved to the core of your being. That, it just surprises you with joy. It just comes up in you. Why? Not because you're trying to bliss out and get rid of all the negative feelings and thoughts and events and circumstances in your life, or because you're numbing out, trying not to feel anything, but rather because you, you are fully present with everything that is in your life. You're present with the isness of your life. Whatever is, you can sit beside it, hold it, and listen to it like you would a little child, and get the information it has to give you. All right, so that's how we get to joy, and we're going to talk more about that, and we're going to talk more about how joy expresses as we go through the rest of the show. So be here for that. We'll be right back in just a minute. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Spoiler alert, a space of being may cause spontaneous laughter, extra money, ease, joy, 
magic showing up in your life, and outrageously orgasmic moments. Join Grace Hart live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel, where she combines her psychic abilities and the tools of access consciousness to assist you to create a totally different reality and transform your personal and professional life, including relationships and finance. I wonder what magical possibilities await you at a space of being. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And as you know, the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. And this Sunday, we've got comedian TV star Tracy Morgan, who's going to join Oprah for a rare and intimate conversation as he begins to step back into the spotlight nearly two years after his devastating car accident. Oprah and Tracy discuss the spiritual encounter he had with God while in a coma the details of his personal transformation, and how his outlook on life has changed through the recovery process. So you want to be there for that on Sunday, April the 3rd at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time. So today we're talking about uh, coming alive and how we can manage to do that. Um, We don't want to live in a numbed-out existence where we just don't feel anything. We don't want to live in a blissed-out existence on the other side where we try not to feel anything but happy feelings. Uh, what we want to do is live from that central core position where we're grounded in life and we're experiencing life on life's terms just the way life is. We cannot control life. That's central to this understanding of joy. We cannot control life. We can make choices about our own lives, about uh, what we're going to do in response to life and what it offers us. We can also make some choices about what career uh, options we're going to take, what relationships we're going to invest in, what we're going to say, what we're going to do on a given day, 
those are our options, but, but the, that's the limitations of our options. Beyond that, you know, if I walk out of my office building today and get run over by a, you know, big bus, well, if I survive it, then I'm going to have some options about how I handle it. So I have that much uh, uh, control. I don't have control over that bus. And that is unfortunately what a lot of our spiritual teachers are saying is that you can control that bus by thinking positive thoughts. Um, if, you, if, you know, if you don't have any negative thoughts or negative emotions, then you won't have that bus in your life. And what that does is set people up to, to repress a lot of very normal and important information that comes up through our emotions so that we can get to know ourselves and even get to know the things that block us and, and are obstacles to our growth. Um, so if I do have a, a fear that I'm allowing or choosing to, do, to let, let it dominate my life, then I won't ever know that if I'm trying not to know what goes on inside me. And I won't ever get past it, so I won't grow. So blissing out is not the option that we need to be looking for. What we need to do is be present with what goes on inside of us all the time so that we're the observer as well as the experiencer. And that's really hard for us to understand that we can be both at the same time, but we absolutely can. If you can imagine yourself in a conversation with another human being where you're kind of watching what goes on with them, you're paying attention to what, you know, the subtle nuances of their body language and eye contact are saying to you. You're getting your own intuitive flashes about what's going on between you. You are also paying attention to your own emotions, what's going on inside you in response to or as a, as a proactive stance with this person. Um, you, you are really paying attention to both simultaneously. You're observing what's going on with the other person while observing what's going on with yourself at the same time. We do it all day, every day. But somehow we don't believe that we have the capacity to observe what goes on inside of us while also experiencing what's going on inside of us. But we do. We have that capacity all day, every day. And we can learn to practice that, and it's going to get us to a place of deeper joy. So um, uh, what we have, have to first do is change our belief systems about our emotions. We need to come to believe that our emotions are internal messaging systems that are there to help us not only survive but thrive. Um, they are there to help us get in touch with what is not working inside of us and what is working inside of us, and well as, as well as to grow the, our experience of self, uh, the whole unitive self. Um, so what do I mean by unitive self? Carl Jung talked about a whole, that, that the self, the, uh, the archetype of the self was a, a wholeness that included the, you know, the, our ego as well as our, our, our deeper spiritual soulful self, our, um, our, all the experiences that we've had with life, all the memories of this life, maybe other lives as well as a collective memories that we have with all other human beings, an experience of oneness with all people, and an experience of our image of the divine, whatever that is for us as individuals. So um, that's one way of describing the, the self as a soul and as wholeness, um, and, and it's the way that I am comfortable describing it, but it can also be just described as this deeper essential me. Uh, that's a simpler way of describing it, so that that. We just know that there's a me in there that's that knows what is me and what is not me. So when we're little children, little infants, we, we 
are one with everything in our minds. We came out of a womb where we literally were one with everything, and we still have that experience of life. So mom is still a part of us. The rattle is still a part of us. Dad's look on his face is still a part of us. Everything in our world is a part of us. And that's kind of why it's so scary, I think, sometimes for little children, who, especially those who are sensitive, because that, that unknown thing that's like um, some person we didn't know from that inner womb is now in our lives, and it seems to be a part of us, and that's what makes it frightening. Um, so if what we do is we just interject all the information from the environment and make it as a part of us. We identify with it and, and imprint with it and it and it becomes a part of us. And so we pick up things that aren't really ours and make them ours. And we don't even know we're doing that. It's just a part of uh, becoming identified as a human being. So we we do that for several years and then after, after a time we begin to be able to differentiate a little bit between what's me and what's not me. And that's a holy process. It's a process where we are saying, oh, this is part of my essential core being and that is not a part of my essential core being. Maybe I interjected that from somebody else or maybe I've just come, been taught to believe that that's how I should be, so I've tried to be that. Um, so, you know, these are the ways that we begin to differentiate and then as we begin to differentiate me from not me, we become more and more absorbed in what is me and that's how all we become one with self. And that's that unitive experience that Carl Jung talked about. So as we're doing that, then what happens is we begin to understand this, this brave, wonderful, amazing concept that not only can we be observers of ourselves while we're experiencing ourselves in our lives, but we can also have peace simultaneous to having a really difficult feeling. Why in the world would that be true? Well, peace is one of those inner um, truth-tellers. It is evidence that we have found a truth. So, so I may have been running from an emotion from a while, for a while, and then one day I sit down with a therapist or with a friend or by myself in meditation, and I allow that emotion to come up and be observed. And I just sit with it, and I let it say what it came to say, and I hear its sorrow or its anxiety or whatever it has to present and I even might listen for the message that is there in it but I also notice that underneath it there's this kind of gentle peace that comes that says yeah yeah that's what you've been feeling yeah that's it that's it a ringy dingy ding that's it <laughs> uh, so that that peace is is a way of informing us that we have come closer to who we are and but just by feeling a feeling. It doesn't mean that feeling is who we are. It just means that while we feel that feeling and allow ourselves to let it give us its information, we are getting closer to who we are. So we don't have to identify with our emotions. That's another thing we haven't come to understand is that, you know, we say to people, oh, she's just such a buoyant personality. She's just so happy all the time. Um, and what we mean is that she, she is demonstrating for us what joy or buoyancy looks like. She may not feel that all the time. She may be putting on a mask and costume. It may be completely fake. She may come to a therapist's office and say, I'm so sick and tired of trying to convince people that I'm happy all the time. I certainly have seen people come to my office with that complaint. But, uh, but the other thing is that uh, she may be literally feeling joy, in which case she is giving us a real good, solid example of what joy feels like. Nevertheless, she also uh, 
uh, presents us with a challenge to look at that and go, okay, well, who am I in relation to joy? What is that? Why do I call that her? Well, I call that her because I think that's all she is. I've, let, I've, I've established an identity for her whether she knows it or not. We can do the same thing inside of ourselves. We can identify with our emotions. We might have a, a sad year, and then we begin to think that, um, yeah, I'm just a sad person. And that means we're sticking our I am in front of sadness and saying I am sadness. Many people do that with shame. When they grow up in environments that are very conducive to shame, they grow up with this inner sort of mantra that says I am shame, I am shame, I am shame. Um, and they grow up believing that they're just bad people. Um, some of them act that out and become the bad people they think they are. And some of them just withdraw and, 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 and don't participate in life because they don't think they're worthy of it. So, uh, and those are just two examples. But So what I'm saying is we can identify with our emotions. That's not what they're for. They're not to tell us who we are. They're only to, to give us information that can lead us closer to experiencing the self, the authentic self. So, okay, so all that has to be known if we're going to uh, challenge ourselves to really come alive. Uh, so coming alive is not an, a linear pathway. It takes us in a cycle, and we hit the same information again and again and again and again and again until, we, until we're done with it. Um, so if you're attracted to cold, hard people then you're likely to be attracted to one after another after another, and, and you find that to be true in your life. If that is true, then there's a reason for that. It's not just dumb fate. Uh, there's a reason for it. There's a psychological problem that you're running into again and again and again. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I want to be really clear about this. I'm not saying you attracted that by thinking negative thoughts. I'm not saying you attracted that because you got some unconscious hidden agenda that wants to sabotage your plans for a happy relationship. That's what the law of attraction, the old law of attraction teaches. It isn't true. That's, uh, and you can learn more about that by reading the book that I wrote about this whole issue of the law of attraction. It's called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. Because there is a truer law of attraction, that is that we're attracted to all those things, places, people, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us closer to awareness of who we are as divine beings. That's a more true law of attraction. Um, but what I'm talking about in this particular example is where we're attracted to uh, something that's going to allow the psyche to become aware that we have an unresolved issue that needs resolving. So it's like if I have a wound on my body that's infected and I just try not to pay attention to it, it's just going to get more and more infected. And, and what I'll do, and this is what we all do, and I know you've experienced this too, is I'll keep running it in. So I got a wound on my hand, let's say, and I'm just trying not to pay attention to it, hoping it'll just go away by itself. And I keep hitting it on things over and over again. Hit, hit. What is going on with that? Why am I doing that? Well, I think it's because the psyche's trying to say, hello, you need to pay attention to this, look at this, and get it healed. And I think the psyche does the same exact thing with uh, the attractions that we have in our lives, people that we're attracted to, events that we're attracted to, circumstances that we're attracted to. We're attracted to those things because we want to resolve old unresolved issues or we want to uh, unite with them as more uh, in oneness as a whole self. So... Uh, if we get attracted to a cold person again and again and again, um, then we might want to look at where, okay, where, what is that about? What is that, what is that saying to me? 
Um, well, it might be saying that I've, I uh, have some unresolved issues with a cold mother or a cold father. Um, that I thought perhaps the problem was me, that the reason they were cold and rejecting was because I needed to be rejected because I was just somehow not worthy of their acceptance. And that if I could just become a better person or a more awesome person or a more higher, high, achieve higher um, goals or to become you know, rich and famous or whatever, then I might one day win their final approval and then, then finally I'll be okay and then I can finally accept myself. Um, and that's a bargain and it doesn't work. And so we keep getting attracted to the same person over and over and over again in different bodies until we finally go, you know what, this is not me. They're just some people in the world who got their own issues and they're cold and it has nothing to do with me. My, I didn't deserve how my parents treated me. This wasn't something I earned. This wasn't something that had anything to do with me. My mother or my father's cold because that's their coping mechanism. It has nothing to do with me. And then we can move past it and we get that way down deep in the core of our being and it's not just intellectual and then we can move past it and we, you know, then we start attracting people and being attracted to people that are you know, more going to be more supportive of our authenticity and not, not so cold and rejecting. So that's how that works. And if we don't ever listen to those, what was, what's called negative emotions, we won't ever know that and we won't ever work past it. And we'll just keep getting attracted to Mr. and Ms. Wrong. So uh, the whole point is to be able to be present enough with what comes up to, to really activate its principle, to, to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to have a dialogue with you. I'm going to really be so present with you that you're going to know that I'm listening, that I'm really here, really listening. And I'm alive to you. I'm not dead to you. I'm not trying to send you away like you're something bad. I'm trying to hear you because you have something to give me. I believe this. I believe this about the universe, and I believe this about what goes on in my personal life. And that is that everything... Everything, everything, everything has come to give me a gift. Everything has come to give me a gift. And so when we think about the law of attraction as it's currently taught, what it says is, well, it's only going to be a good gift if you're thinking positive thoughts and feeling positive emotions. It'll be a bad gift if you're thinking negative thoughts and having negative emotions. Well, you know, you attract that. I don't believe that. I believe everything has come to give me a gift. Everything, every mistake I've ever made has come to give me a gift. Every um, bad relationship I've ever been in has come to give me a gift. Every uh, uh, difficult situation I've ever been in, be it my health or, or career or, or some other challenge, financial or otherwise, has come to give me a gift. And when I really, really, really receive the gift, then the situation changes. And I've experienced that over and over and over again in my life. When, when I receive the gift, then the situation changes. So what do we do to receive the gift? We open to reception and we let the process take hold. We jump in the river and flow with it. We don't try to push the river. We jump in the river and let it go. So that's how we stay in joy. Now, does that mean that I'm never going to have uh, hard feelings? Joy doesn't mean you're not ever going to have hard feelings. What you can experience, though, is a deeper relationship with yourself and that, that peace that comes with telling yourself the truth, which then opens you to joy. You'll find yourself some other time during that day looking at something or being with someone or uh, being in a situation or just being present with yourself and feeling this wonderful, amazing bubble of delicious, I love life, 
I'm warmly attached to life. I love being alive. I love being here. Planet Earth is beautiful. People are beautiful. Life is wonderful. That kind of feeling. And again, it's like trying to describe the taste of chocolate, but that's, it's something like that. So, um, so when, we talk, when we're talking about um, living to be present with emotions, what we mean is sitting beside them, sitting with them, allowing them to deliver, deliver their message. We're also talking about sitting beside difficult situations and allowing them to deliver their message, sitting beside difficult relationships and allowing them to deliver their message, um, just being present with it, not trying to run from it. So many times we're in a difficult relationship, for example, and we just try to pretend to ourselves it's not as bad as we think it is, or we bargain with it. We tell you, say, well, if I do this, then it won't be so bad. If I do that, then it won't be so bad. If we do this, then maybe it'll just get all better. We're doing some magical thinking. We're, a lot of times we bridge the gap between ourselves and other people. We'll, we'll do all the work, and they're not doing anything. But because we're doing all the work, it gives us the illusion that the work has been done. So therefore, everything is okay. And so we don't realize that we're not receiving anything from that other person because they're not giving anything. We don't have to realize that because we gave it all, so it's all been given, so what difference does it make? Um, so you're with a person who can't ever say, I love you, and you say, I love you, 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 a million times, and you experience the joy of being in love and all the floosing that goes with it, and the other person is just kind of sitting there. So uh, you think you've developed this really good relationship, not so much. All right, so we're going to be back in just a minute. We, we need to go now, take a break, and we will come right back to talk some more about this process of coming alive. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's time to wake up and transform into your higher self. Tune into Lighten Radio with host Jay-Z Bound. This is a show that's meant for you if you're seeking your highest and fullest potential. It's already within you. All you need to do is discover it and nurture it to reality. Jay-Z is an intuitive and health and ascension facilitator. Get ready to connect to the divine and your authentic self. Be here for Lighten Radio every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Sometimes in the busyness of daily living, we can forget who we truly are as spiritual beings with intent and purpose fueling our goals and dreams. Remembering begins with navigating belief structures, family or cultural expectations and history so we can find our way. Listen in to Timeshare with host Marie Jackson. Marie and her regular contributors discuss life's questions, challenges, obstacles, and rewards, all bringing us to the spirit of who we are. Timeshare with Marie Jackson can be heard live every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're 
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is also sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a Ph.D., a Doctor of Ministry, or a holist, in the Holistic Theology program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and peace, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text-writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Calling it your passport today. So we're talking today about coming alive and what that means. And what we've said it does not mean is it doesn't mean numbing out and it doesn't mean blissing out. It means being able to fully experience life on life's terms and be present with it in such a way that we can receive the gift that everything has to give us. Every experience, every emotion, every thought, everything has a gift to give us. So, uh, you know, coming to that belief is difficult for many, especially for those who've been spiritually abused. So what do I mean by spiritual abuse? Well, I'm going to be talking about this in a few weeks, what spiritual abuse really is. Uh, but uh, pe- people that have been spiritually abused have had their spirit abused. What that means is way down deep, uh, they have their, their image of life and their person, their self is distorted to, uh, to include all kinds of things like guilt and shame, fear, deep, deep fear that says I'm totally alone in the universe and I've got to handle it all and I don't have a clue how to do that. Um, and, uh, and distrust in all kinds of people. So people who say, I just don't trust anyone, have often been spiritually abused. So what that means is that can happen in a church. There's a lot of uh, Christian church uh, authors that are writing about spiritual abuse now. But it can also happen in homes. It can happen in an ashram. It can happen in, a, in a, uh, um, uh, any kind of group activity. It can happen in a cult. It can happen with just your family at home um, because your spirit is not just a religion your spirit is the core essence of who you are it's your soul it's your person so uh, people who've, who've done that have kind of separated us from our soul they've told us not to be who we are to be something else because to be who we are would be dangerous um, so 
that's a it's a it's a way of uh, of uh, interacting with life that's um, harmful to others, and we've had so much spiritual abuse down through the centuries that's been called religious that we are having a hard time delineating what is and isn't uh, spiritual abuse. But one thing to be sure is if you hear anybody tells you tell you this is the right way and this is the only right way, and if you don't do it this way, then terrible things are going to happen to you. That's a form of spiritual abuse. Because what it says is you have to do this whether you want to or not, whether it fits into who you are or not. None of that matters. All you have to do is just do this thing. And that's a real uh, abusive form of living. Um, So uh, with that in mind, we can also know that the whole concept of good and evil comes into play when it comes to coming alive. So many of us have been taught so much about what's good and what's evil. And of course, if you've been listening to my show for very long, you know that I don't believe in either one of those two concepts, not good, not evil. Um, and because what they do are, is they distort reality. First of all, uh, how do we determine good except by saying what it, that it's not bad? And how do we determine what's bad by, except by saying it's not good? Um, once one way or the other, we're going to define them by a dependency on the other. So that sort of um, negates the the potential for either one of them to be true concepts. But the other thing is that nobody has there is no standardized definition of goodness. I was looking at um, some um, behavioral scales today and noticing that uh, there are some scales that talk about uh, conscience, conscience, or uh, 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 shame. They're doing measurement, measuring how much shame a person might carry or guilt. And some people call those moral emotions. And, uh, you know, one of the things that stands out there to me is that if we call them moral emotions, we mean that there are some good emotions and some bad emotions. But also, if they're always attached to some good or bad deed, um, so it gets really blurry when we start thinking about standardizing that. And finally, somebody's written an article that said, well, we can't really have these scales that measure it from that perspective because who knows what moral- morality really is because there's so many different definitions of it. Uh, 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 Osama bin Laden thought it was a very moral and righteous thing to do to come over here and fly planes into the trade towers. Uh, but I happen to disagree. So... There's a lot of ideas about what's good and what's bad out there. If you're raised in, a, in the home of a Ku Klux Klanner, you're going to think it's good to be, to be filled with hate for people of different races. And I might disagree with that. So we don't have a standardized definition of good or bad. And therefore, when we start trying to put those into perspective or put, cram that into religion, then religion becomes all about morality and not anything about really true spirituality. And that is how we have spiritually abused each other down through the generations, by judging each other's good or badness. And so that can factor into this thing about coming alive. So many of us are trying so hard to be good that we're not alive. We're trying to do the right thing instead of do the real thing. We're trying to do the right thing instead of uh, you know, just getting in touch with what goes on inside of us and making a decision based on what really is going on inside of us. So many of us think we have to have guilt to help us figure out our lives, that if we don't ever feel guilty, we'll always be doing the wrong thing. And that's a concept that says that we have, an, have to have an external um, law to obey in order to find out what's really true and false inside of ourselves. 
And that's just false. It's not true. What, 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 is tr- what is true is that compassion and passion are enough to get us to what's called right action. We don't need guilt. We don't need law, uh, lo- the law. I don't, I'm not talking about traffic lights. I'm talking about some kind of moral law. We don't need those because if we listen to our compassion, then it's going to tell us not to kill and not to steal and not to covet. Uh, it's going to tell us to be kind to our neighbor and not make up lies about our neighbor. It's going to tell us to be loving and kind. We will do that because it's in us to do, not because we're obeying some law. So the minute we start, and that's one of the things that Jesus was so pronounced in, was this whole idea of following that inner initiative rather than just obeying the external laws. So when when we when we're live, living in that that good or bad motif, if I'm not good, I'm being bad, if I'm not bad, I'm being good, that uh, motif will actually keep us from coming alive. It will prevent us from living into the highest part of ourselves, the most real part of ourselves, the most true part of ourselves. It will have us living into an identity that's that's made up entirely of shoulds, Uh, and that's not going to help us get there. There's very little joy found in morality, by the way. Uh, uh, if, you, if you really talk to somebody who is trying to live a highly moral life, they're not really happy people. Um, they're, not, they're not filled with the joy and verve of life. They're not in that energy and flow of life. They're not in that sense of, isn't that flower amazingly beautiful? Isn't life just gorgeous? Isn't, isn't the essence of the energy of the living experience just profoundly amazing? They're not living there. They're living in the drudgery of shoulds and have-tos and ought-tos and I'm a bad person if I don't and that kind of thing. They're not really happy people. They're moral people, but they're not happy people. And they're going to do what's right, whatever that is, and you better, by God, do it too, whatever that is. So that, that's a really hard and harsh way to live. Um, so I really want to put that into this equation here in terms of coming alive. I, I really want to say that thing, that good, evil thing, doesn't really work. And I'll add to that that's the whole thing about the law of attraction that has been perpetuated for the past 20, 25 years that has even, it has even come into vogue in the secular world is based in that whole same archetype of good and evil. Now it's just changed the language to positive and negative. You don't want to, you know, get involved with bad people because they'll drag you down into the darkness of evil. You don't want to be attracted to bad people because they'll drag you down into the negative aspects of life and you won't have what you want. Same, same. Um, so uh, when, when it comes to this whole thing of good and bad, I think we need to st- necessarily stop trying to measure our lives and start trying to live our lives Stop trying to find out whether or not we're worthy and just be present with our life experience and then that will prove itself worthy. Um, so we've got it really backwards when it comes to understanding what coming alive really means. And unfortunately, the coming alive is a recovery process. Why? Because we're recovering the identity of, with the authentic self that we lost when we were infants, when we were interjecting things that weren't really true to who we are, especially when that came in dysfunctional environments. So coming alive is a, is a recovery process. We're recovering the I am. We're recovering awareness of our souls. We're recovering awareness of what it's like to live fully alive and present in this moment right now, not afraid to experience the reality of this moment right now. Or if we are afraid, to just be present with that fear. 
uh, and, and see what that's all about. So uh, just to be present with what is instead of trying to create something else in our minds and say, well, that's a better thing, so I should have that instead. I should be thinking that way. I should be feeling that way. So let me try to create that feeling or that thought and try to pretend to myself that that's all I need to do to be okay. That's not truth. That's not real. And it won't give you joy. Uh, so joy comes from being present, being alive in this moment with what is. And uh, if we can do that, start practicing doing that, you will begin to experience joy and it will affirm itself. I won't have to be there, stand there saying, say, this is joy. It will affirm it for itself. So I encourage your practice of that. Okay, so that's what we've got for today. That's all of it for today. And we'll be back again next week. So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.